What up, Rail Split Nash? Welcome to our first episode of 2021. Uh, granted, this uh, year is starting out about how the last one ended, uh, but hopefully it gets better. We'll be discussing uh, the insurrection at the Capitol um, and kind of comparing that to what happened during the Civil War. The hostess with the mostest is back. <laughs> this is Rail Splitter Nick. I've tried to be positive to start the beginning of the show because it's going to be a downer for sure. Uh, we're in the middle of a crisis in America, but we're back. We're going to struggle through, and there's light at the end of the tunnel for crying out loud, whether that's dealing with our current political struggles or COVID itself. Back and joining me on this great and wonderful podcast is Rail Splitter Mary from the great northern state of Canada. You guys a state yet or no? That hasn't happened. I think you're a country. All right. We, the country of Canada. We might be a state. I don't know. Maybe we'll come on over and do what we did again in 1814. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you will. Uh, we yeah, won't. You guys are probably staying out of America. We, we've forward. actually, Trudeau has offered to send troops to help you guys out on Inauguration Day, I think. But anyway, so. hey, Real Split Nation. Happy New Year. Um, it's good to be back. This is our first show of uh, 2021. So, uh, and actually, I think we're going into our fourth year of this podcast. Oh, I did not know that. I think it's our fourth year. And joining us from about a mile to my east uh, in his humble about, uh, Rail Splitter Boys. What up? Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, it's great to be back for 2021 in this time of change, hopefully. <laughs> Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, the conversation and hope everybody had a nice holiday season and a good enough start to the new year. And uh, and I hope everybody's safe, safe and healthy. I also agree with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we apologize for taking a couple weeks to get to you. Um, we were going to take the first week off, but then um, and then last week happened the January 6th, which kind of yeah. knocked the show off its rails there for a few days. I see what you did there. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah, it's nice. good. Thank this you. This is that's, why Nick should always host. That's why I'm the hostess with the mostest. Nick should be um, the host. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think on that on Nick hosting every week, that's more of like a maybe an impeach but not convict type feeling oh, on that. Oh, burn. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um. No, so we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about a current event yet again. We apologize. But there are a ton of parallels with the Civil War, Lincoln's inauguration, um, going into that. So we are gonna definitely tie this back to the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln. For those of you who live underneath the rock, if you didn't know, basically uh people stormed the Capitol. Um so there was a stop to steal rally. We had, uh, um, you know, America's favorite lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, uh, talk, uh, quoting Game of Thrones, which I saw a tweet. I don't know how true this is that he thinks it's a real doc. Like he thought it, it was a documentary. He called uh, it a documentary on medieval England. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, he said it. I was just quoting that documentary on medieval England. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> Dude, I don't know if there's been an American figure that has tumbled as far down as Giuliani from where he once was. After 9-11, that guy was like, I I mean, arguably more popular than George W. Bush there. You could Mm -hmm. maybe make an argument. Mm -hmm. Um, His positivity rating was through the roof. I mean, he was seen as like America's uh, mayor. Mm -hmm. Uh, But man, gosh, how things have changed. Uh, so many years later. Uh, but anyways, there was a rally there. They got them all riled up. Uh, they went to the Capitol. They got in. Um, terrible events. I watched it. I was in school teaching. I guess I could just start the show this way. Um, and then I saw an email from uh, 
voice. You actually sent out the email since you're the you're my boss, one of my bosses. Um, so I went and got caught up real quick, and we watched it in our fourth block. So kind of unravel live, and yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it's going to remember that where I was for sure. I mean, it's on par with nine eleven mm-hmm. uh, as far as significant events in my lifetime. And then just kind of watching it with the students, trying to work the students through what was going on, why the anger was there, how significant this was. Um, I don't believe that this, a lot of people were using, a lot of journalists used to quote that this isn't America or something like this. This isn't what America is. Part of me is like, there's some parallels for this. Um, this is our America. Mm-hmm. Um the idea is let's make it not be the future, um, I think, is more. And a lot of historians have really pushed back on the journalists who were using that I've seen over the week. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can start there. Um, I don't know. Mary, we'll go Mary. Sent the case voice a story similar to mine uh, since he was at school. But Mary, how did you find out what was going on? What were your initial thoughts? I was home um, sick, actually. Not COVID, thankfully. Um, but I was homesick that day, and I was just kind of reading on my couch, and I got a call from one of my friends who lives in the United States, and he said, are you seeing what's happening at the Capitol right now? And I was like, no. And he started to tell me about it, and then I started checking social media and seeing what was happening, and it was just like, it shook me. It really got to me. Uh, just just as somebody who has studied American history for most of my life, especially the Civil War, seeing the parallels and just seeing like the Confederate flags and everything that was happening, it was it was unreal, you know. And I will never ever forget where I was and you know how I heard about it, which was, "Are you seeing what is happening, the Capitol?" I'll never forget what? that conversation, and I'll never forget how I felt. Were you watching it on TV or online? Online. I was online. Twitter, Were you watching Facebook. American? American? Yeah, I was checking Twitter and stuff. Um, I did, okay. admittedly did not turn on the TV because I was like, okay. I don't, you know, but I was checking Twitter. I was on Facebook. I was watching videos um, of different, what different news stations were, were posting. Um, and then actually I was wait. And then the next thing I was waiting for was what Trudeau was going to say about it. And he did indeed make a statement about it um i think it was the next day or late that that night that he made a statement about it and that's another thing i won't forget is what he said about it too but yeah it's it's definitely it's it's burned in my memory just like 9-11 is this those was same it, feelings came back was it front page news in canada like yep. the lead on the news channels yep it definitely was yeah it, it was and it was something too that um the there's not um i think there's not everybody understand obviously understands the whole political situation in america here um in canada especially looking back at the civil war but there was one facebook post that i saw um that somebody i know had posted and you know the the us won the gold medal in hockey the night before all this happened and then somebody on facebook took a picture of people storming the capitol and posted it and said wow Look, they're 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 celebrating winning the gold medal, and it just that bothered me as well. Like I was like, no, it's not. This is not appropriate right now. Like it, it, it. I know it's a misunderstanding or or just not knowing exactly what's going on. But that was when I had to stop going on social media. Was at that point because I was getting that I was already upset. But that just I was like, no, we had this is not supporting our neighbors. Um in america right now we have to stand by them we can't make jokes like this you know is the view in canada that look at these crazy americans right now or oh my god i can't believe this is happening to america what would you say the canadian i think it's very divided it's like wow look at this is typical or oh my god this is horrible and i you know i do work um there there is an american i work with and obviously she is um you know, upset about it and stuff. And I mean, I am too, but it's, it's not, there's not a lot of understanding exactly what's happening 
you know, or why it's happening. But those of us that know the history, like we we do understand it, I think a little bit more. But yeah, it's more like, oh, look, this is typical the last four years, but also like, oh, my God, we need to like, this is serious. And this could affect us. And that that's my fear is that this does affect us. This does affect what happens, you know, because just as close as we are to you, like, literally, most Canadians live within two hours of the US border. And we're we travel there quite frequently when it's not a pandemic. So yeah, we like, and I mean, Trudeau has offered, I think, to send troops to the capital as well. And he obviously did not condone the violence that happened, as he said in his statement that he made about it. Boyce, when did you find out, uh, and kind of what were your initial thoughts? Well, I, uh, I like, I had it on just in the background. I was doing office work or whatever, you know, I didn't. So I, sometimes I just put the news on for background noise or whatever. Um, so I was watching the president's speech. So I turned it on about maybe five minutes into his speech, you know, and I was kind of in and out, you know, whatever, doing work or whatever. Um, but then once the proceedings started, I mean, you know, I, I was at my desk when the, when it started the, the certification of the electoral college started um, in the joint session um, in the house. Um, and I was kind of looking at Twitter um, just cause, you know, president got done speaking. I, you know, I follow a lot of political sat satire type accounts, you know, I like that kind of stuff. So going out there, Oh, it's Patton Oswalt saying or whoever else. Um, and then like they're showing, the early stages of it, I started to see photos of, you know, of, and a couple of cell phone videos of people pushing back on like the, the first kind of wave of Capitol police. Um, and I was watching live when representative Lankford from Oklahoma was speaking and they stopped him and said, and he, and he was like, kind of, I mean, obviously surprised in the, in the page or the worker, the cat, the, Congress worker said, it's nothing you said. There's they've, they've, they've come in the building. And I was like, and it's so like the microphone had picked that up, you know? And then, and then of course I was just, you know, kind of watching it and it, it escalated. And as it was escalating, um, I went in and talked to my boss. I said, Hey, there's stuff going down at the Capitol. Um, I'm going to email the social studies department. You know, I just wanted to make sure he was okay with it. Um, as our building principal, I said, I'm going to email the social studies department and tell them they can, they need to take a look. Um, you know, being history teachers, being government teachers. So I just sent him a quick note in Nixon, that department, of course, uh, sent him a quick note saying, you know, as the curriculum leader of the building, you know, totally fine. Don't, don't worry if, if you want to stop what you're doing and put this on. Totally cool. Um, just try to keep an eye on your kids because, you know, young people internalize things and process things differently. So we want to be mindful to make sure we weren't, you know, kids weren't getting too bothered. Not, not that we would desensitize, not that we would try to, um, shelter them from it, but just so we could get them help. Um, and also to monitor any sort of interactions so that we don't flare up some arguments, you know, within our classes. But then as it got more and more heated and, and more and more intense, then I sent an email to the entire staff and just said, if any kids ask you what's going on, address it, you know, look out for kids, see how they're doing. Uh, I didn't say, I mean, I, I, I just forwarded the same email. I said, see below. So like basically giving anybody permission to, to turn it on or to, 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 to watch it. Um, as far as me personally, I was shaken a lot more than I thought I would have been. Like, if you told me that it happened, I would have been like, holy sh- wow. You know, of course I would have realized it was a big deal, but like, I was like personally shaken a lot more than I ever would have predicted. Um, and it was, you know, just kind of having that physiological reaction of nervousness and, you know, almost like shaking and, you know, it's kind of sick to my stomach and not in like a figurative way, but like, you know, just that uneasiness and anxiety and um, anxiousness, um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I would have been a little bit different if I were teaching just because, you know, you take on that persona and, and when young people look at you, it's a little, you know, you can lead them through that a little bit more. I don't know if I would have been able to keep it together if I was like talking through it with like a group of colleagues or something. I mean, I was really, it would really kind of hit me. Um, and then I just kind of watched the whole thing happen. Um, you know, sent some messages, you know, to my wife and, and my kids 
in their district, um, they have half days on Wednesdays so the teachers can do professional development in the afternoon. Um, so my mom was here at the house with the kids and, you know, so I just said, Hey, you know, trying to think like, do I want, you know, we very much want our kids to know what's going on in the world. We're not, you know, they know very much. We try to talk to them about, um, and it's difficult to do, but to have age appropriate conversations about George Floyd and about black lives matter and about, you know, policing and, you know, like, so, and, and about Trump's racism. And so they're, I feel as aware as they can be, you know, being pretty sheltered white kids in the middle of Illinois. Um, so I wanted them to know what was going on. But at that time, I'm like, I don't want, I mean, it was, it wouldn't have been crazy if somebody got shot in the head on live TV. Like, you know, like that was within the possibility. So, so I decided that we would talk to him when we got home. I didn't want, I didn't want the kids to watch it live. Just what, what ended up happening, happening, what was on TV would have been okay. But I was just a little worried about that. Um, so made sure, you know, they were okay. And I just kind of watched it and it was just, a, it was just so much to process. Um, and, and then, you know, I've been consuming a lot of media and writing and, you know, reading about a lot of it. Um, and so for the purposes of, you know, my role as a citizen, um, but to put it in context of this show, um, I think is really important because um, I texted in our rail splitter group chat, that and, and I and I I was gonna text it like that day because it sounds like a smart ass joke that I would make, but it's not a joke in the least, and I mean it literally and seriously that that it took 160 years, but the Confederacy mm-hmm. finally took the Capitol. Yep, um, that's another thing I mean, I'll never it, forget is that text message you sent. Yeah, I mean literally that's what happened. The con- not because of the flag, but you know that's certainly included in the mm-hmm. whole the whole thing. Right. Um, but it's the same fight that, that was the civil war was, and they only held it for a few hours and now they're back to figuratively, you know, attacking it and, you know, having the more subtle subverted attack on freedom. But I truly feel that this is an extension of the civil war. Um, there is a hundred percent of this had to do with racism you know, it, it's, it fueled, it fuels everything. This, this is our house. This is, we're taking our country back. And uh, so there's just a lot there. So I, I mean, I don't want to keep rambling too on too much because I know we're talking about a kind of our initial experience with it. Um, but I stayed up until the bitter end. I, you know, I, uh, um, I did feel like I needed to do a little self care. So I exercised. So I, you know, I'm like, had this like really intense running going and I had C-SPAN in my headphones, <laughs> C-SPAN radio. <laughs> so I wonder if it's like, man, he seems to be, you know, he's breathing pretty heavy. <laughs> Some serious pump up music. Like, no, it was just Ted Cruz being Ted Cruz. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there was a, yeah, me and, uh, we were talking in the hall yesterday or was that yesterday or today? I don't even know. Yesterday. We bumped in, we bumped into each other. Then there's this, I don't know the comedian's name. But he plays like oh, a, yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like a, a redneck comedian, kind of along the lines of like uh, oh, Larry the Brett, Cable Brett guy. Ter- Terhern, Terhern. Something like no, 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 not that guy. I know who you're talking about there. Not the redheaded guy with the beard. Okay, but there's another guy that plays it up. But anyways, he got really angry and just went off on like the people storming it. Like he plays like this liberal redneck. I don't know if it's part of his gimmick or if that's yeah. actually him. And it does his rage like I had to watch it twice because it like helped me like vent yeah. for release. I think like speaking, I felt obligated to watch everything because I got to explain to high school kids what's going on. High school kids that are coming from households that, you know, probably voted Trump for sure voted Trump and then be able to navigate them through all of that mm-hmm. answer questions. Um, I definitely feel that this issue isn't me and boys were talking about this too the other day in the hall. This isn't one of those like, you know, fair debates where it's like both sides are equal. Like is Michael Jordan LeBron who's better? Yeah. Like this, uh, we, uh, I feel I'll speak for myself here. It's definitely lopsided. It is. All right. Because at the bottom line, racism is involved in this. Just like boys said, the initial thing that they're using as their justification is a rigged election. And then the evidence of that is 100% or just about nearly 100% false. Therefore, the whole argument collapsed on itself. 
So I definitely want to be able to push back at the kids, um, you know, that were, you know, definitely trying to make it into a two sides or a what if, it, you know, type scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was exhausting for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I did the same thing staying up late. I think maybe we should go to the picture of the Confederate flag. I was just thinking about that oh, yeah. one. That That is the most haunting. Yeah. That that image was so haunting because that, that picture has Charles Sumner in the background. And then John, you can see John, John C. Calhoun as well. Yeah. And it was just seeing Calhoun was probably more haunting for me um, mm-hmm. just because of what he stands for. But seeing Sumner, it was like, oh, my God, like this is this is not happening. I'm not seeing this flag in the, in, in, in the Capitol because, and of course my mind goes back to the civil war, Jubal early, how close he got, you know, to, to getting to DC and just how like Lincoln was always so adamant. We have to keep enough troops within the vicinity to protect the Capitol. And I don't know if it was necessarily because if they took the Capitol, they would win, but just what that would do for morale. You know, if suddenly there's the there's the Confederate flag in the Capitol, what that would have done, you know, it wouldn't have mattered what was happening in the Western theater, what victories. It was the whole morale thing. So it made me really understand why Lincoln wanted to keep them out of the Capitol so much. You know, it wasn't necessarily meaning the war was lost. It was what that would have meant, the symbolism behind it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I was trying to make the argument to the kids. It's like if you view democracy as a religion, it's like the holiest building that you could have. And it's definitely, if you don't agree with that, it's definitely top, you know, one of the three um, for sure. And then, you know, going back to Boyce's statement about how what took place last week on Wednesday is really an extension of the Civil War. Mm Mm-hmm. And really an extension of us never being able as a country to address racism. The fact that John C. Calhoun's picture still resides in the White House. Yeah. So you had John C. Calhoun from that one angle. You had Charles Sumner here. You had the flag in the middle. I mean, talk about the symbolism of still a divided nation and how that issue of slavery still continues to divide. Maybe not the issue of slavery, but racism and our inability to address appropriate address that over the years i mean that picture is just so symbolic it's a and it burned in my head it'll be burned in my head forever sorry mary go ahead i i was just gonna say same for me nick um that picture with the confederate flag with sumner and calhoun is forever burned in my mind you know I i won't ever forget it and you know the the things i thought when i saw that was like this did not happen they, it, it, and you know, it was after I saw that image after you'd sent that text message, Jeremy, about it took, you know, this long, but here they are, you know, they're here in the Capitol. Um, and it was just, and again, what you said, Jeremy, about this is still the Civil War. It absolutely is. That was right there. All the evidence any of us ever needed that this is a war that is still being fought, you know, like they said in, in the Ken Burns documentary, however many years ago. Um, that one scholar, I can't remember her name, but I remember her saying it. It's still being fought and it never ended. And that's what I thought. I'm like, we are still in this fight. And this is proof of that. And we need to do everything we can to make it end. Yes, I, I agree 100%. I believe that was Barbara Fields. I yes, was, that's it, Barbara Fields. Um, yeah, that that particular image with Sumner and Calhoun, that kind of struck me as like, like, yeah, you know, you see those lists of like subtle things directors did to show their geniuses and like they'll show like, you know, like that's that's me would be like Spielberg thought to put in the background those two pictures. So like, you know, as I'm like, but it was real life it was not <laughs> like, staged. Like, right. It was like real life symbolism with a really deep and impactful meaning. Um, and I, I think that it is really important to draw the line to the Civil War. And there's a ton of validity and um importance and comparing it to fascism comparing it to nazism and and hitler's movement i think those comparisons are logical they make sense Mm. they're not hyperbolic you know but i think it's more important for for we americans to 
draw the line through our own lineage, you know, and I know a lot of that kind of goes that way too, but, but the it's directly from enslavement. I mean, how far back you want to go, but if we, if we say the civil war, which of course then had its own causes, how it's still being fought, how it's still about white supremacy, how it's still about this, you know, this idea that there are people better than others. Like they said over and over again, without any irony, that you're trying to silence 75 million Americans, like completely disregarding that there's 80 other million Americans exactly. who voted the other way. So, so that's one thing. One other thing that I think that is important to address along the same lines of the racism and the continuation of the fight against enslavement and the fight for freedom. I agree hundred percent. I think it's important, especially for young people to notice the difference between what would have happened to protesters that black lives matter movements versus protesters here. But I don't think it's a real fair comparison because there's no way in hell that Black Lives Matter protesters would come armed, would come with like literal battle preparations and just walk in there as if, you know, I mean, they didn't have any, any fear, not in a courageous way, in an entitled way. Like they walk in, this is our house, putting their feet up on, you know, like that, unfortunately, I feel is this is just we now we now know how far you can go that's they crossed the line but the line wasn't very far from where they were they walked in the michigan state house with the same weaponry and that was okay so so that wasn't the line so you know it's how did we get to this point well we were okay with it until we weren't so i think now we know where the line is and it is shockingly far away from any sort of semblance of equity equality freedom um because like it's it's not even close to an apples to apples comparison. Not because we have real evidence of murder of George Floyd and Mount Aubrey and, and Breonna Taylor, and there's no evidence here. It's just the the complete sense of we can do this. Like this is ours. This is ours for the taking. Well, uh, the way that the the picture that really symbolizes that more the most to me is that guy who has Pelosi's podium. Or whatever it was, oh, um, yeah, and just the smile and the arrogance and the wave, like just everything that picture shows you, is the entitlement that they thought they had that they could just walk out and then just openly talk about it, brag about it on Facebook Live, and think nothing would happen to them. That it's just mind-boggling. That's the thing that makes me so mad more mm-hmm. than anything about it all. Same here. Couldn't believe it when I saw that picture. So I'm watching this Wednesday, and then we've had these group of five people who have been occupying City Hall, just like outside. They called, I shouldn't even use the word occupy. They're doing like a sit in on the sidewalk outside, and they've had like a tent up. This is in in Rockford, by the way. This is in Rockford, Illinois. They're protesting, um, you know, uh, the police brutality in the area. We had a young man who ended up getting shot after a high speed chase. Anyway, we talked a little bit about this on the show, but then they got they had to move out, and I, I've been down there documenting some of the stuff. So I, I went down there, and there was just five five young people who feel that they want to make the world better, who haven't used any violence, haven't defaced any property, and to see over twenty like fifteen cops move these five people out of that area after what I just saw Wednesday. With this group of white, and the majority of them, you know, uh, were people of color, too, who are doing the camping out um, out of the five. I think four of the five are. So, and to see that, like, it was just so much for me this week. Like, it just heartbreaking to see that. Um, And when I did talk about this issue, and I did ask the students, if these protesters were majority black or people of color, would it been the same? And I don't think you can say yes. I mean, look back to that picture we saw of Lincoln Memorial. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, where there was literally five rows of National Guard people protecting the memorial for a Black Lives Matter protest, yep. which is, by the ways, which we were in a meeting today, me and boys, I don't know if you were still there when we were talking about it, um, which is out on public property. These people were storming, I don't know, it's a capital public property i don't know is it private property i don't know what you said but it's yeah i mean 
It's kind of like but, this, like our school yeah. is public property, but it's not open to the public. Yeah, like so we can so, take people out. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Black Lives Matter. They have if you go back to the argument statement, they have concrete evidence. We have documentation. We have records. We have statistics. We have specific examples that show what they're fighting for, backing it up. The rig the election is what they're claiming, which isn't really like there's definitely more to that, you know, um, you know, the racist angle. But their claim that they try to go with, there's nothing there either. I don't know. I ended up rambling. I apologize. You're not rambling at all. You're making some very, very good points. It's it's hard not to. Um, we do need to be, we should probably bring it this close. I mean, <laughs> all of this is Civil War stuff. I, I want to mention is. one thing just in case. And I don't even think the person is a listener, but I took down a social media post. That, that said that there were protests before any of this happened. Yep. Somebody posted a right-wing website saying that 88 people plan to come, like, basically, one of the many, many news stories that, that said this was going to happen, and then everybody was shut, you know, oh, how could this happen? Um, we took that down. I took that down because it did not have a, the direct, the connection to Lincoln was very, very, very indirect. Um, the reason it was because it was from, you know, it wasn't a, a credible news source. It, it didn't mention any sort of connection to Lincoln in the Civil War, and it was propaganda. It, it just was. So basically, what I'm saying is the difference between that and this is that we're now talking about history, something that did happen, and there's a demonstrable connection to the Civil War in Lincoln. In the in the hearings after, you know, in the impeachment hearings about whether whether or not the 45th president's words incited a riot. You have two groups diametrically opposed to each other, both quoting the same person. They ran like <laughs> yep. over and over, over and over and over again, sometimes with the literal exact same quotes. Yep. I heard all about that. I got a message from Jerry. Um, I think it was yesterday afternoon and he was like, wow, the Lincoln quotes. And I'm like, no, I know who's saying those and like, no, stop with the, with malice toward none, with charity for all. That does not apply. Right. In this situation. And I, want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. Well, one, you know, you need to know, know the person, know the, know your subject before you quote them. Exactly. Right. I mean, like they're, and part of it is, and we've talked about this on the show probably hundreds of times, like all of this is this deifying of Lincoln, right? Like, you know, he's, he, whatever he says, if I can apply it to what I'm doing, it just by default makes it okay. So if I say I'm doing a hateful thing, but Lincoln said, blah, 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 blah. Like, Oh, okay. In that case, you're, you're without question. Okay. Well, Lincoln made some mistakes. Many of them or some of them huge that we, we really can't forgive him for, or the forgiveness looks a little different. Um, but his words, of course, are powerful, and we look at the man as a whole. And you know, of course, he's he's our my, my personal hero. And you know, we've talked about this many times. Um, but I l- was looking at Lincoln quotes, and I noticed something that um, I had never noticed before. And I really have been thinking long and hard about it because I'm so mad, I'm so discouraged, I feel a lack of hope um, because I feel. And Nick alluded to it when we were talking. Like this is this is like evil in the same way that enslavement in a very similar way that enslavement was evil. Um, and that whole, like there, well, there's two sides to everything. You need to be unbiased. Like there, you know, there were two sides to the civil rights act in 1964. There were two, two sides to the voting rights act in 1965. There were two sides to enslavement. And if me as a public educator has to be unbiased and present both sides, at what point did, did it become clearly wrong that, public places were segregated at what point did it become clearly wrong that Jim Crow, you know, was, was a horrible thing, you know? So like, I feel we're in one of those times where if you're unbiased, what you're saying is that this is okay. Um, so I'm, I feel that this is one of those points in times in history where I, we can say like, this is clearly wrong. It is morally wrong. And we as educators are trying to help students build and, 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 and develop their own moral compass so to say that anything like this is okay, I feel we're doing a disservice. And that, that is probably enough to get me, you know, demoted or fired or something if, you know, if it came down to it. And, and I'd be, you know, I'm privileged. I, you know, I, I, don't, I say this knowing, knowing my privilege to say, like, I, I'd be okay with that. But one thing I noticed from looking at Lincoln's 
words and trying to trying to handle those feelings of hopelessness and anger and rage and like you know feeling like, what can I do? And a lot of a lot of people, and I've done it too in a very optimistic way throughout the Better Angels of Our Nature quote from the first inaugural, because it's beautiful and it's eloquent and it's well written. So, so Lincoln in the first inaugural is standing at the precipice of civil war. States have already seceded. Hostilities are imminent. You know, we're, we're like at, at, at the most crucial point in our nation's history. And he says, and I, I, I want to make sure I get it right, but um, in that inaugural address, um, the, the, he says, you know, that I'm not going to pull it up, but I, cause I know it well enough that, that, that the mystic chords of union, you know, will be, you know, sung in the hearts and in minds or whatever of, of, of all when touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. And the part that's jumping out at me now is when he says as surely they will be, that is so optimistic and so hopeful. And where, when I look at these people, I don't think they're going to be touched by our better angels. And I'm thinking like, God, that is the most like, you know, I believe that there's beauty in everyone and every, you know, some of them for sure. But as a whole, that amount of hate and the amount of hate in that one man, I don't think there's better angels of our nature that can touch him. Well, then I look at the second inaugural, which is arguably Lincoln's greatest speech. And we've talked about this many times, Um, but his tone is slightly different when he's making it almost the exact same point. He says, um, uh, let me, I want to make sure the fervently do we pray line. Um, so he goes from saying they will surely be touched by the better angels of our nature. And in the second inaugural, he says, fondly do we hope fervently do we pray that this scourge of war may speedily pass away. So that's pretty subtle, but, and it's still, I feel optimistic and positive, but he went from being sure that they were going to be touched by the better angels of our nature to hoping and praying that something like that would happen. And I think what that was is him going through the war saying like, you know, cause at that time at the first inaugural, okay, they, you know, we'll fight for a while and they're going to, they'll, they'll figure it out and they'll come back. In 1865, you've seen hundreds of thousands of people have died to support this cause. And they still believe fervently in this cause. And they have not been touched by the better angels of our nature. They did not give up saying that this is wrong and, and you know, and bring the union back together. So I keep looking at that saying, like, even Lincoln lost a little bit of faith throughout the war. And I think that's where we are now, like. The whole he'll come around or, you know, everybody's good at heart and, you know, he'll see the air of his ways. I don't think it's going to happen. And, uh, and, I, I, and I worry about a lot of our young people. I, I teach a class, the uh, media class, where they do student news. And this week, you'll see it tomorrow, boys. Um, a couple of the kids said they did like a vlog. So they wanted to do like a feature, kind of like student response to this. And kind of a powerful moment, like watching that made you proud, but also made you sad is a couple, I think it's a couple girls in it speak about how, because you look at those people who stormed that, and my kids brought this up too. It was 30, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, 60. This wasn't a young person thing. You know, this wasn't like 18, you know, like a lot of the Black Lives Matter we're seeing that's being led by the young generation. It was by these middle-aged adults, I would argue. And they said that we need to fix this. It will be our generation's problem to fix. And I go, I- I'm glad like they're like, I'm proud that they're, they're willing to kind of take that up and understand that now. But I'm so sad that the adults have screwed this up. To where there are 16, 17, 18 year olds who feel like they got to be the ones to fix it. And no kid should have to feel that burden in high school at this age. And, and it's, it's just sad. Um, and I, I think Lincoln saw it. And I think one of the most humbling things as an adult, the older I got, and thinking about, you know, civil rights and how do you change, you, can't, you don't change 40 year old people's minds. I mean, and Martin Luther King had it right. You got to create tension and force it. 
And you can't do it by appealing to their heart, I don't think. Maybe this is like the total cynicism in me. The best way to do it is in their pocketbook, you know, and stuff like that, I think. Because let's be honest, if it was the heart, these companies that are pulling their donations from Republicans now, they would have done that a hell of a long time sooner. Now they know that their money could be in jeopardy if they're seen to do that. So sorry to take it down a depressing alley there. Um, I, I think it's no, I think what that's, about young people is, I think that's a very hopeful thing. That is a very hopeful yeah, it thing. It is hopeful, but I feel bad that they feel such this burden now. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think you'll see it a little bit on their faces tomorrow, boys, when you watch. It's just I, I definitely feel good and optimistic about the future with them, mm-hmm. but I feel so bad that they – are being dealt such a crappy hand, knowing what they've done, you know, got to go through in COVID. They haven't done anything wrong, but what they've had to go through with COVID and everything, it's, this is sad. They deserve a better hand given to them going into their, you know, into adulthood than what they've been given. They do. Absolutely. I mean, arguably this is a top three worst hands that any generation America has had to deal with. Yeah. um, In my personal opinion. So, but it, it's, you know, like, it's so sad to hear that, but at the same time, like, them recognizing it you know to see the young people how how so open-minded so many of them are is is amazing that that's the future yeah and that makes me hopeful when i see that and when i hear stories like that you know it's like it's i want i want one hand it's like oh my god this is so hard to hear that a young person is taking on that burden but at the same time it's like good for them for recognizing the racism the hatred and everything else well i could give you another story the other way but i won't do that yeah i've got through both spectrums here this week uh well, another, go ahead, go ahead. Go i think ahead. one thing that that i hope that they learn and i think one this is i feel that that's you know they deserve tons of credit, but the black lives matter movement also, I mean, that being driven by young people and being inspirational, even outside the context of police brutality, I think is very important to note. Um, But I also think that, you know, I hope like, I just look at who I was at 18 and I look at who I was at 25 and I look at who I was at 30, like at every one of those points, I thought I was fairly you know, a pretty good person. And now as I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I, I would say this, or I would do this, or I would do that. Horrible things, racist things, you know, nothing, not like, you know, your textbook, you know, I wasn't like shouting horrible things, but like microaggressions and whatever. So like no one goes to bed as a hateful person and then wakes up the next day and sees a young person say something and changes. It's, it's gradual. And I think the difference is, you know, the, there's a line that I, a lot of people quote, and I don't even know where it's from, but like the, the arc of history is long and it bends toward freedom. I believe that, it, but and it sucks, but it's so slow. I think the big difference is these four years, it's been arcing the other way. You know, like like as bad as it was in the 60s, it was better than it was in the 50s, which was better than it was in the 40s. Like, you know, and it wasn't. In another misconception, it wasn't really that much better in the 70s and it wasn't that much better in the 80s. You know, like it's been slow progress. Like we've come a long way as a society and we got so far to go. But this is the first time arguably since 1876 that the arc of freedom went the other way for a while. Uh, And I think that's the difference. That's actually what I was just going to bring up. I think what happened at the Capitol uh, with the speeches included both before and after, not only draws a parallel directly to the start of the Civil War and the causes of the Civil War, but also to the end of Reconstruction. I mean, you literally have these Republicans up there saying this isn't the first time, you know, electoral votes have been challenged. Yeah, the only other real time it ever was was 1876 mm-hmm. when the three southern states sent, you know, two sets of electors basically hoping to get which eventually led to the compromise that led to the end of reconstruction. I mean, party becoming the current Republican party. Yeah. So, I mean, the parallels you could draw to the end of reconstruction through the civil war. I mean, Boyce is a hundred percent right. I mean, the through lines of all this, if you just jump on that one main vein, it's going to bring you right back to the heart of all this, which is the civil war. Um, and, us 
and maybe the failure of reconstruction, you know, the us not, you know, having a true proper reconstruction um, at the end of the day and seeing it through to the end. Um, and it's just, like I said, man, I mean, you talk about the Civil War, everybody knows the Civil War. It's like America's, you know, one of the, hey, we, one of America's greatest tragedies, but also one of the great things. We came out better, right, is the narrative. We became better because of it. Yeah, blood was spilled, but look what we got. And then you see the damn Confederate flag in the Capitol. 2021, man. That, I'm, I mean, if you think about it, the Civil War ended in 1865. We should not have seen the Confederate flag in the Capitol in 2021. There's no way. And I, and I think it is just, it's reconstruction, not going like it should have. It's Lincoln getting assassinated. It, it's all of that stuff. And, you know, this is stuff that I have to, you know, I've had to explain this to people here in my own country. Like, they're like, they ask me, why do you think the Civil War still is going on? And I have to tell them, I'm like, okay, well, do you have a beer in like three hours? Because that that's what it's going to take for me to tell you about this. You know, it, this is really, I think, I think a lot, I think those of us that studied Lincoln, that studied the Civil War, we knew it had never ended. But then for others, this is in our faces what we needed to see. It's not gone yet, and we have to get rid of it. That Confederate flag should never have appeared in the Capitol. And this is our chance now to make sure that it never, ever appears there again. Because the Capitol is no place for that flag. That damn flag shouldn't be anywhere. As far That thing should be treated as the Nazi should, flag exactly. and only be seen in museums. Exactly. Um, you know... I had a student, this came up in class, it was, it's Southern Heritage, you know, the Southern Heritage argument. I also had to deal with that this week, too. I kind of played the pity train for myself, sorry. Um, but, um, and then he was trying to make the comparison, well, some symbols have been hijacked that were once good turned bad, but I'm like, that was always bad. Why would you ever take a symbol that represented something bad and try to turn it, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. And first of all, why would you go through all this effort to turn a symbol, you know, I it just, just doesn't make any sense. The flag should not be flying anywhere no. as far as I'm concerned. And I don't even understand. The fact that we're still fighting that damn battle in 2021 just shows you how yeah. much America has not been able to address. Nick, you would well, not believe yeah. how much the Confederate flag shows up here in Canada. That's people just people fly it here. And I've heard like, oh, I thought it was just about country music. And I'm like, um... Okay, yeah, no, we need to have a talk right now. But I've seen it flown in my own neighborhood. It's Across just the street from our schools, and and yeah, it's, and we can go into the history of it. And I mean, we probably have before. It wasn't even that widely used in the Civil War. It no, was like one of many battle flags. Like it is, its express purpose is to spread hate. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's the reason it's come back. Like it's yeah, especially. I mean. I would I would even argue it's even more a symbol of hate now. It like is. it was not an okay symbol for them to use in the Dukes of Hazard. Like I'm not at all. But like the message is out now. Like everybody knows. So like you're like you are you when you fly that flag, you know what it's what you're doing. It's yeah. you know like um it's much more conscious now. Yeah, it's not uh, her- it's not about heritage. It mm-hmm. it's not. It's yeah, put it in a museum with the proper context behind what it is. Hatred, well, racism, yeah. all of that. It, it, well, then it, if, if it is part of your heritage, then you're saying you're racist. That's Exactly, yeah, you're, you're saying you're racist. Heritage, then you're telling me you're racist. That's how I see it. Go ahead, yeah. boy. Well, and, and it, like, I think it's also important to note, it's, it's not just the flag, right? I mean, like, the, the amount of support or the amount of, you know, um, you know, pushback or whatever resistance to changing the names of forts right like like it's just like that's you know to say like you know i'm gonna code my racism by saying it this way like it's all part of the same thing and like those the ideas are there the racist ideas aren't going to go away um but the symbolism of the flag i think is was huge in this particular thing there were also nazi flags um, but just this, the clear hypocrisy, like it is like in your face 
taking down the American flag and putting up a flag with someone's name on it. Like, and then, and then claiming the founders who somehow are now also deified, you know, this, the founders signed it, you know, I know what their intention was and it was to allow shit like this. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just so obviously wrong. Um, and, and I, you know, it's, and it's so antithetical to everything that Abraham Lincoln fought for. And I really haven't looked at, I mean, it's easy to say how the war is still going on. And of course it, it, the why is in white supremacy and, you know, dominant, dominant cultures, not wanting to give up that dominance and that power. But like the end of the civil war, they, they hung on to it so hard. It was, it was very much a military end to the war, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they no longer could make war. It was there was no sort of capitulation or um, understanding, you know, I, you know, like there wasn't the reckoning that happened in Germany after World War Two. No. Not to say that there's still not tons and tons of hate over there. It's it's bad, really bad. But it's not the same, you know, like like they just don't tolerate that hate that, you know, that that idea of, of uprising. But the but we've actually not only tolerated it, but welcomed it, you know, it, it's part of our heritage. It's part of our culture. It's part of our history in a positive way. Treason, <laughs> you know, literally, literally fighting a war against the United States. Yeah, it, it's, it, you know, like I tell people, I'm like, the Civil War never ended. It was just some peace treaties that were signed. It yeah, goes it, beyond I mean, 1865. Like World War yeah, like yeah. World War One, like it was like, um, we. We can't really keep fighting, <laughs> but, you know, so it's like, oh, armistice, whatever, kind of just faded away. Not quite as drastic, but, you know, and then that was settled again in the Second World War. But, yeah, it's just it, they, they just lost their ability to make war. Their ideals never changed. What about Americans inability to correctly label uh, a traitor? Or a treasonous actions. Yeah. I mean, God, America is notorious for, you know, you spoke out against the Iraq War 2003, you traitor. But yeah. damn it, if it comes to our Civil War generals from the South, they ain't traitors, they're heroes. Uh, just, Trump, yeah, that is Trump, just, it's crazy when you, like... Trump's not a, you know, it, like all these people storming the cap. they're not traitors, they just want, you know, what's fair. They haven't been heard, their voices need to be heard, they're being censored. It's like, dude... Half of America cannot correctly like identify a treasonous action or who a traitor is. It's mind-boggling to me. No, it's it's crazy to think there's a Fort Bragg. And Colin Kaepernick, how dare you kneel to bring a awareness to a social issue that's only gotten worse since you kneeled because nobody listened to you at the time. So, you know, it's just, oh, man, America. Yeah, these these... Many of these people said all those things about Colin Kaepernick. They literally beat a police officer with an American flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how would like, that is like the ultimate, like, you know, back to blue, you know, blue lives matter, all this other stuff, you know, and then he kneels to the process and now, now it's the flag or flag deserves respect. And just like, if you scripted that, it would get immediately tossed out. Like that's ridiculous. Like, can, you know, be a little more obvious with your, you know, with your complete, you know, iron, you know, try attempted irony there. Um, and it's just so sad, but, but like, just, just admit it. Like, it's so obvious that it's not about backing any sort of blue. It's not about the American flag. It's about your privilege. And, and that, that rant, which I'm going to tweet out that Nick talked about at the beginning of the show, he said it better. You know, I think we have a Gettysburg Address situation where we've been talking about it for an hour, and he said more in two minutes. Um, and there's a lot of profanity here, but it is brilliant because I mean, he just goes off and just says, like, you know, what is it that bothers you so damn much about liberal ideas that you all would benefit from? Exactly, I, I get it. If you're a corporate horrible person, millionaire, and you're going to get a million dollar tax cut, I actually understand a little bit of why you may be motivated. I still think you're pure evil, but at least I get it. The folks who are like voting against their own personal interests, like, like you will benefit from this more than than you will from your the person you say you support. But they vote against their own. Per- I, I just don't understand. Well, as a Canadian, you know that you know I'm I'm obviously lucky that I've got the health care. 
I don't understand <laughs> why you guys don't have the healthcare yet and why so many are like, Dude, no, it's evil. I would never get it's treatment. It's socialism. It's, you know, I can, I can go to the doctors and not pay for it. You know, I, I'm able to get a COVID test and I don't have to shell out $200 for it. You know, it, I just, I, I know someone who was able to have cancer surgery and not pay for it. It It's just, it's, you might have to pay a little bit more for your groceries and your alcohol, but believe me, it's worth it. And that's one thing I've never understood is why, why there's this kind of like, nope, we can't do that. It's socialism, you know? Because we've asked, like, the way we've labeled some terms and have created such a negative connotation around a certain term um, is remarkable America or how all we have to do is say something's that and people will believe it. Like to me, another thing that's just crazy is like when Trump was, you had a lot of people, you know, oh, we're going to be communism. Joe Biden's going to be a communist dictator. I want to be like, if anybody's close to communist dictator is Trump. He literally is like pen pals with the communist dictator from North Korea. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just like misinformation. I think that's a worldwide issue, but it's definitely running rampant here in America. And just the absolute refusal to just like, like I was explaining today in class, like I went through it all, like the rigging election thing. It was bothering me. I have this one suit just won't let it go. And then I went through it all, like the argument, the flawed logic, I showed them everything. I go, we talked about how early the presidential elections, like 50 different elections, because states have all their own different mandate, you know, rules to it. I explained what's good evidence, what's bad evidence. We looked at the court cases, Democratic, Republican judge. At that, he just goes. And then I go, if you don't trust the courses, what do you trust? If you can't trust a doctor to, you know, uh, talk to you about medical advice. If we're going to argue here that my blonde hair is more beautiful than an actual real person's blonde hair by, like, refusing to accept, like, you can't even argue with a person in good faith. You can't even, like, talk to them. We have tens of millions of people like that right now in America. How do we overcome that? I don't even know if Lincoln could overcome that, for crying out loud. No, and I think that is actually a great point that that jeremy made earlier about you know lincoln goes from like better or lincoln goes from better angels to to hope in his second inaugural because he's seen what has happened he's i think he's one of like he went into the civil war thinking this is going to be over in a few months you know when he made that first inaugural if the war happens it's going to be over in a few months and we'll get through it whatever and by the time he makes the second inaugural it's been going on for a few years and he's hoping it's going to be okay. He's hoping it's going to get better. I think he's hoping that. And he's hoping that because he knows he's he's got in his mind how it's going to play out. And it doesn't get to play out that way. Do so you think he became more pessimistic or more realistic? I don't think time? he I don't think he became pessimistic. I think he became realistic. And I think he had in his mind how he wanted everything to play out. And he hinted that as much to Grant and Sherman when they met, you know, that one day on, on the river queen, I think Admiral Porter was there with them. You know, he said how he wanted it to go. And there's that scene from the Lincoln movie. And I think it's one of those things where he had in his mind how it was going to all play out. And then April 14th happened. And it doesn't get to play out that way. Yeah, well, and I think a, a major component of that was him understanding what the South was. Yeah. And and now and in, and in many ways the, the the I should say what the leaders of the South mm-hmm. and where he had them. I think it's important to note about Lincoln's Reconstruction Plan is that it's about admission back into the Union, right? Because at that point in time, the South had to, for their own survival, come back into the Union. Like the war had been over, they could not be on their own. So he was able to say, like, you're not going to come back until you pass these amendments. You're not going to come back until you agree to these conditions, which were the tenets of um, Reconstruction. Um, And having that power over them, you know, for better or for worse, whether it's right or wrong, I believe strongly that it was right. He used that leverage and that power to say, you're not going to come back to this place where financially you have to 
for your own survival unless you do these things. Knowing that once the people in power control the state elections, it would be, you know, it would be the end. Um, there's a there's a book by Ta-Nehisi Coates called "We Are Eight Years in Power," which is actually not a not a reference to Barack Obama's presidency. It's a reference to the Reconstruction eight years, where lots of black people were elected to Congress because of the Reconstruction laws. Um, so I think Lincoln's role in that, him being able to see it, acknowledged the fact that you're essentially telling them they've got to do the right thing against their will, and the fact that we eased off on that. And now the idea is, well, you got to be tolerant of all points of view. Well, Lincoln knew that some of these points of view supported enslavement, whether it was literal enslavement or very close to literal enslavement. Uh, so I think that's a lot of what's gotten us here now. Is And I think Lincoln probably had an idea that it was going to take some time to be a process, maybe not the process still. Uh, but those power structures are still in place. Um, and and that, when you kind of look at how the, the war has continued, I think that's a, that's largely where it where it came from. I agree. Agreed. I think that's a good point. Yep. The transition into our end segments. So for the people, by the people. You guys good? You got one? Yep, I do. I All do right. too. Go ahead, Mary. We'll throw it to you first. Ours goes out or mine goes out to our listener Jackson Bly. He posted a photo on our Rail Splitter uh, Facebook page of the National Guard sleeping in the Capitol by Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's a good one. That was really powerful. So thank you, Jackson, for that. It's really powerful. Yeah, um, I kind of figured, well, Nick and I, when we ran into each other in the hallway, we mentioned that exact picture. Um, so I kind of figured one of the three of us would bring that up, and I'm glad you did. Um, I, I thought I'd go in a little bit of a different vein just because of the weight of this whole episode. So there's been and there, I don't there's been many many people who've tweeted it so I don't I don't know if there is an individual person um, who may have done it yet in the Facebook group but um, there's there's a big old moving van outside the White House which is a beautiful thing to see and they're starting the transition but there's a picture of conspicuous removal of a bust of Abraham Lincoln yep that many people are starting to say like that might be in the White House collection I don't know. And I would be willing to bet, because it's not this gaudy golden piece of shit, that it's not part of the Trump personal collection. So I'm hopeful that either that was his, and good for him, whatever, or that the White House, the people who own that, get it back. But there's a photo of, and it does look kind of conspicuous, but again, it's a photographer yeah. like way out in the White House lawn. Um, it does look like they're trying to hightail it with a with a Lincoln bust from the white house, which is a little, a little discomforting, not even close to the worst thing that they've done over the last, I don't know, two hours, but still, I thought it was like, man, maybe it's, maybe this will be like the beginning of a sort of like comedy version of like a national treasure type type thing. where like, like <laughs> some my like, favorite movie. Like, I like, love national yeah, treasure. <laughs> like the three of us are trying to go on this quest to recover the stolen bus. And we don't know what the hell we're doing. There's a stem for your movie right there. <laughs> um, all right. Mine's going to be, this was a kind of a news story that I've seen it around uh, that got circulated, but uh, the last knowing surviving widow of a civil war veteran oh. died. Yeah. I was I, hoping I, one I, of I'm us would bring that, that up. Obviously not me. Cause I brought up something else, but. And Jordan uh, posted about it in our Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, the rail splitter Facebook chat. So, um, granted, she did marry a 91-year-old when she was 17 or 18. Um, that is the only time she got married, though, so true love. Good for her. Um, it just kind of show you, you know, I was kind of talking to kids that got brought up by the co-teacher I work with. Just kind of, you know, in history terms, how close the Civil War still kind of is, that you can actually, that at one point we had a direct tie, uh, you know, talk about two degrees or one degree of separation from Civil War. Um, right there until a couple weeks ago. So yeah, we are not that uh, far removed from the Civil War. Like when I think about it, like when my father was born in 1946, there was still Civil War veterans alive. The yeah. Civil War hadn't even it wasn't even at a hundred years. You know, it was that you know eighty some years at that point. So it it's still very 
it's still very close to us as we've witnessed in the last week. It's, yeah. it's still there. The, the thought that like the civil war and world war two weren't even a hundred years apart. Um, I think kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah. Our next segment this week in Lincoln for Christmas, um, or my, actually my birthday, which is right by Christmas. Um, I got a picture. It's Abraham Lincoln uh, with uh, Grant outside the tent. Um, so is it Grant that he's outside the tent on that? Yeah. No. Okay. And Boba Fett uh, oh. is also there. So I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's kind of the black and white. And then they photoshopped in Boba Fett. So I got a frame. Works well in awesome. uh, the Rail Splitter headquarters here over on Melrose Street. So um, hanging on the wall. So uh, nicely framed and everything. So I'll have to tweet out a picture of it. So it's definitely, I'm sure some people have seen it. I think I've seen Stuff it before. It's always awesome. good when you could combine Civil War and Star Wars, right? It is. We, we did it for a whole episode one yeah. time. Go back to the archives, find that one, and go listen. Uh, anything else to finish up the show? Oh, happy new year to all of our listeners. Thank you for all of your support as we go into, I think, as I said, it's our fourth year. Yeah, I think so. It might even be, like, calendar-wise, we started in 2016, I think. We did, actually. Did we? No, 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 you're right. The Cubs had already won the World Series. I do know that. And I'm not trying to do it. Please don't remind me of that. Because it had, but it had been like re- recently enough where like we were kind of jabbing about that. Yeah, it's not too hard to figure out. Well, I'll look. Yeah, it's been it's been four years. I think it was it was 2017. Okay, that would make sense. It was just right. It was that because yeah, we started in the summer, so summer 17. Yeah, but I joined you guys. I think officially, like I was on for my first episode in August of uh, That's 2017, right. and then I joined in September of 2018. That's right. Okay. So anyway, it's good to be back for another year. I think 21 is going to be a good year for the show. Um, we got a lot of stuff planned, and um, as we journey, we might even journey back to uh, weekly episodes again. We'll have to see how yeah. uh, how our busyness Maybe goes, we can but, actually uh, journey into Springfield altogether at some point. <laughs> yeah, that no, is definitely ends. a hope. I, yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. We got 150 coming up here soon. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, we actually are close yeah. to 150. Yeah, we're actually close. Yeah, we won't be able to do anything for that. Too close to that one. Dang it. Uh, but, yes, thank you for being back. We appreciate it. Uh, 2021, I feel re-energized a little. Despite, y'all, everything that's going on, I do. I could see a light yep. at the end of the tunnel. So I, I think we're heading there, um, and I think that will benefit the show. Hopefully, instead of drawing parallels between Civil War and Lincoln, we're just talking about history with no parallels to be there because it's better times. Uh, and you know, as the goat said, remember with malice toward none and with charity for all.